Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, child of the 80s. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we all are. And that's why we've talked a lot about the 80s on this podcast, including in this season that we just concluded on the films of 1980. The year that uh, the year that Jason was born, the year that our producer David Rosen was born. Don't give away my secrets. The year that I uh, was a very, very, very small child. So mm-hmm. certainly uh, the beginning of our long journeys towards Cecilia. Hey, yeah, please stop. Um, yeah, no, I have a question <laughs> for you. Since uh, you dislike children so much, did you dislike yes. yourself as a baby? <laughs> I dislike myself really for my entire <laughs> life. You knew that was the answer that I was going to give. You'd be setting me up there Man. for that. So what we're doing now is we are looking back at our season. And as we uh, generally do in this epilogue episode, taking a look at all the other movies that we did not talk about in our various categories, uh, looking at some suggestions from our amazing listeners, and then taking a look ahead to what we have coming up. So we started this season with the box office champ, as we always do. And actually for this season, we talked about the movie that was number two at the box office, which was nine to five. The number one movie at the box office, of course, was The Empire Strikes Back. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that despite this being the epilogue, we are going to have an extra bonus episode coming up soon on The Empire Strikes Back because you can't escape Star Wars. You got to talk about it. You got to talk about it, Josh. And if we didn't, we would be doing a disservice to you, all of our loyal listeners. So loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, other top movies at the box office include uh, another movie that we did talk about, Stir Crazy, which was Dave's pick. Uh, also Airplane and Any Which Way You Can, the Clint Eastwood monkey sequel to Any Which Way But Loose. Some weird phenomenon that has been kind of forgotten. Uh, Private Benjamin. And Smokey and the Bandit 2, All the right. sequel to Jason's uh, favorite film, Smokey and the Bandit. Josh, uh, you know who didn't forget the uh, Clint Eastwood monkey movies was uh, The Critic. They always used to poke fun at it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've, have you seen those Clint Eastwood monkey movies? No. Neither have I, but I, I almost mm-hmm. want to now. Do you know what a monkey would say if it could talk? Uh, I think I do, but you can just say it. I'm a monkey. Yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> so many excellent jokes on this uh, episode here. So, uh... Josh, for our first feature, we did a movie called Caddyshack by Harold Ramis. And uh, I really deep dove it. I read a book on the making of it and there's all the documentaries. And what was so important about that is, uh, you know, people love that movie, but really it was kind of between that and Animal House, just this kind of revolution of um, modernizing comedy at the time. So that was fun, but we had a lot of other good options, really great options for this year. Uh, Pedro Almodovar, who we have talked about before, his first movie, Pepe. Pepe Lucy Bomb, I think that's only... Pepe yeah. Lucy Bomb. There you go. Pepe yeah, Lucy something Bomb. like that, yeah. Yeah, Taylor Hackford, who we have mentioned because he's got a new movie coming out, The Idol Maker. One of them that I was going to suggest was Jim Jarmusch, Permanent Vacation, which, which certain people don't even consider as his first real feature, more of like kind of an experimental type thing, student type thing. But it's worth checking out. Uh, your boy, Adrian Lyne, uh, with Foxes. And then uh, Mike Newell, The Awakening. And of course, Josh, we've talked about 
John Sales before the return of the Seacock is seven. That would have been an interesting one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if we hadn't already covered John Sales, I would have really uh, hoped for us to do that one because that is a really good film and a, a big, you know, sort of a template for a lot of other films, indie films that came later. So definitely a worthy film to check out. I think John Sales, of course, is great. I was looking, you know, looking back in our in our discussions of what we were going to cover for this season, our, our emails back and forth, and uh, our flop, our box office flop episode, we talked about Heaven's Gate. And as far we as I can tell, to. we had to, we had no, at no time did any of us suggest any other options for that. I don't know what other box office flops there were in 1980, but Heaven's Gate is the flop of flops, and there was no, no chance of covering anything other than that. Well, what was so interesting was, and again, I think I watched the documentary about that. And then, you know, there are books on it. And it's like, we grew up thinking like, oh, Michael Cimino, you know, the director who flew too close to the sun and blah, blah, blah. But they they really never gave this thing a chance to get out of the gates, so to speak. Um, So like it was, everyone was at fault and they really, they really kneecapped this thing. So who knows if it would have been as uh, much of a flop it, it couldn't have been it would have been a bigger hit just from being released actually right so and i i'm glad that it has been reassessed and i and i'm also glad that you hated it so much because it was so long and you had to watch it yeah i mean and it's interesting <laughs> though that it, it it has been reassessed and critically it has a, a fairly good reputation now but still i think the larger sense like if you mention that movie to someone who's familiar with the history of film it's like oh yeah that giant failure it just will never lose that reputation Right. And the idea that it killed New Hollywood, which it didn't. It was just one of many pieces that did. Yes. For our Palme d'Or winner from the Cannes Film Festival, Josh, we went with all that jazz, Bob Fosse, who I love. And uh, the only other thing we were really looking at because it was a tie that year was Kagamusha by Akira Kurosawa, correct? Yeah, that was actually a tie for the Palme d'Or. I mean, some other films that were in competition at Cannes included uh, Being There by Hal Ashby, Samuel Fuller's The Big Red One, uh, The Long Riders, which is a Western by Walter Hill, uh, Out of the Blue, directed by Dennis Hopper, which recently got like a, a big re-release, I think had been kind of lost to obscurity. And I read a lot of good things about it. Uh, and a Jean-Luc Godard film called Every Man for Himself. And we've we've certainly talked about Godard in the past, but those were not the winners. Uh, Kagamusha, I think, came up a couple times, and we just, uh, I think we didn't want to do two, three-hour-plus movies for this season, so we already had Heaven's Gate. We went with all that jazz instead, and of, of course, you know, Jason, as you say, you know, I know you loved all that jazz, and I didn't love it as much, and one thing we talked about in the All That Jazz episode was that I had not watched, at the time, Bob Fosse's film Lenny, about Lenny Bruce, starring Dustin Hoffman which of course is referenced in all that jazz as the fictionalized Bob Fosse character is working on a fictional version of that film. And given my sort of mixed response to all that jazz, Jason was was insistent that I watch Lenny. I demanded it. He demanded it and I agreed and I did watch Lenny and it's very good. It's a good movie. You should check Whoa, it out. Whoa, how about okay. that? Yeah, all I mean, right. I, I didn't expect to not like it and I, I didn't dislike all that jazz. I just wasn't as wowed with it as you are and as many people are. And I like Lenny more. I feel like there's a bit more distance. The Lenny, Lenny Bruce, at least as a character as represented in that film, is very similar to Bob Fosse or, or and or, you know, to the, the fictional version of Bob Fosse, Joe Gideon. But I feel like Fosse maybe has a slight distance because it's not about his own actual life and can be a little more critical of this guy who is really a kind of a crappy person um, and showcase all of his flaws. 
as well as his artistic brilliance and how some of those flaws kind of led to his downfall. And it's an interestingly structured film with these sort of uh, direct-to-camera interviews, which is a technique that a lot of biopics, I think, use later on. And maybe this was one of the first films to do that. So uh, Dustin Hoffman, a great performance. I enjoyed it more than all that jazz. So I, I liked it. Fantastic. I'm happy to hear that, Josh. Before we move on from Ken, I do want to, uh, you, you, you rang my bell with being there. I love that movie. And Peter Sellers is magnificent. And then Hal Ashby, such an important and unique director. So watch that if you haven't seen that one. And I actually haven't. So that's certainly a movie I'd like to see. I demand it, Josh. I, I demand and as we know, if you, if you demand I watch a movie, it, it has to happen. You know, Josh, we went with, uh, for our documentary pick, the Les Blank film, Garlic is as Good as Ten Mothers, which we all enjoyed. And we talked about all of the musical elements of that film. And um, we kind of uh, referenced his movie, uh, The Blues, according to Lightning Hopkins. And some of our other documentary picks, there was just a lot of uh, music documentaries around this time. And uh, some interesting ones um, dealing with punk music, Rude Boy which is a strange rockumentary, unscripted type thing about The Clash, my second favorite band of all time, and the only band that matters, according to The Clash. Um, but they've disowned that, so that would be really interesting. And then there's the great rock and roll swindle, which has a big following, and that's about the end of the Sex Pistols, and that's uh, told from their old manager's standpoint, Malcolm McLaren, who... Uh, doesn't have such a lovely reputation, right? So yeah. those are those are some interesting pieces. The last one, Josh, is uh, the No Nukes concert from Madison Square Garden that took place the year before. Which, uh oh, here it is. Boom, Bruce Springsteen headline, Josh. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you know this though. That concert, they just uncovered all the Springsteen footage, and uh, they just released his version, his concert of it, like his set of it, and it uh, it's supposed to be pretty amazing. Yeah, someday Jason will just do his own Bruce awesome Springsteen year. So. Yeah, no, but I'm but Josh, this is relevant because no yes. nukes. It had all yeah. of the different sure. people in it, and uh, and then they just released the Springsteen thing. There is a, I'll tell you one great quote from uh, this. Um, so Shaka Khan during the no nukes uh, tour, she ran off the stage because he thought the audience was booing her, but they were just brucing her, you know, because it's Madison Square mm -hmm. Garden. They were all yelling Bruce, so they were all backstage. And they were telling the artists like, hey, if you think the audience is booing you, don't worry about it. They're just yelling Bruce. And Tom Petty said, what's the difference? Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty, pretty funny. And uh, Bonnie Raid added, uh, at least his name's not Melvin. So uh, pretty funny stuff. I like it. I I'm yeah. excited to see the Springsteen set, but I'm also glad we watched Garlic is as good as 10 months. Yeah, me too. I think that was a really great opportunity for us to delve into a bunch of Les Blank films. I know I enjoyed watching, I think, like six of his films because a lot of them are very short. They're very easy to watch. Uh, and that was a cool uh, kind of exploration for us. I think one other documentary that we mentioned, I don't know if it was me or you who had brought this up, the film Lightning Over Water, which is a Vim Vendors film about the director Nicholas Ray. And of course, we talked about a Vim Vendors documentary with Buena Vista Social Club. But uh, that seems like it was, you know, maybe another interesting exploration of a kind of a cult figure. Who's Nicholas well. Ray? Tell us about him. Uh, he's a director. I mean, he's mainly known for directing Rebel Without a Cause, but um, he was a Hollywood director in the 50s, but was also kind of a notoriously independent kind of prickly figure who uh, clashed with with studios and stuff like that. So I, I Rebel Without a Cause is his most famous film. Uh, they Live by Night, I think, is another film of his that I've seen 
uh, this sort of a film noir movie. And I mean, he's a pretty famous director from obviously like a, a generation earlier than Vim Vendors. So it's it's their kind of collaboration between the two of them in that film. Some pretty interesting documentaries of this year. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so after the documentary episode, we had my pick, which was Little Darlings. And I love that movie so much. I don't think I had really ever considered picking anything else. I was just looking through my like top 10 list from 1980, a couple that stuck out to me as potentially interesting. Uh, maybe we'll do a future Christmas episode about Christmas Evil, which uh, to me is like one of the best Christmas horror movies, which I'm sure Jason would not appreciate. <laughs> but I do love that movie starring Fiona Apple's dad. Um, and speaking wow. of people named Melvin, Jonathan Demme's Melvin and Howard, which is uh, one of the great Las Vegas movies um, and just a really uh, entertaining, weird, true life story. Um, that I've seen a couple of times. That could have been a recommendation for yeah. me as well. Mary Steenburgen won the uh, Best Supporting Actress Oscar for that one. Yeah, and uh, Melvin Dumar, a distinctive Las Vegas character. And I've written so much about Las Vegas movies and seen so many bad ones. And that's one of the most interesting ones. So, But I was happy to pick Little Darlings. Well, we're happy for you, Josh. Thank you, Jason. We always are. You know, when it came to foreign film, there really, for me, was only the short list was Kagamusha, which we talked about, and The Last Metro, which we did. And I really love that film. What else were you considering for that, job? I don't know that I was. I mean, again, looking at our discussion, those were really the only two that we had talked about. I was just kind of glancing through what else came out. Uh, Moscow Does Not Believe in Tears was the Oscar winner, which is not a film that I'm really familiar with. And the other like really, really famous sort of classic film is Andrei Tarkovsky's Stalker, which was released mm. in 1980 in the U.S., and that's certainly, I, I, this is a film that I've never seen that I really probably ought to see and uh, is, a, is a classic yeah. uh, of science fiction film. So that would have been interesting. But that's on last, my list as well to see, Josh. Yeah. And, uh, and, and as well it should be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, The Last Metro was certainly an interesting way to you know, talk about Francois Truffaut. And I, I liked it too, maybe not quite as much as you did, but it was an enjoyable film. I watch. just uh, was so impressed with the way he built that all basically one location and the way he was able to utilize that location was great. It was a good yeah. movie. Um, speaking of good movies, you two dum-dums don't realize the blues brothers, a good movie. Um, and that was my pick for this year. Uh, the only other thing I was going to pick was raging bull and, uh, Dave on your, uh, pocket lining Patreon, I think we'll be, uh, <laughs> talking about raging bull. So you can just keep on making money while Josh and I suffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in addition to Empire Strikes Back, we will have a bonus episode on Raging Bull. I mean, two of the biggest movies of 1980 that we felt like we really had to cover. So that stuff is still to come. And uh, Jason loves Raging Bull. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested to revisit it because I think when I first saw it, I appreciated it as this important film, but didn't necessarily love it. So I'm, I'm curious to see how I feel about it. Uh, going forward. Uh, we talked about the Venice Film Festival Golden Lion winner, Gloria by John Cassavetes, which uh, we did not get on the wavelength of. We're not able to really appreciate Cassavetes so much. Uh, Dave did, but Jason and I, not so much. And that was like it can. That was actually a tie. The other film that tied for the Golden Lion was Atlantic City by Louis Malle, which I don't think any of us have seen. And, uh, you know, maybe it would have been a more uh, receptive uh, reaction from us. Who knows? But uh, 
A few other films in competition at Venice included uh, Going in Style by Martin Brest. One of That's the, a fun movie. Yeah, it is a fun little movie. And he is, of course, one of the directors we've talked about uh, multiple times. Uh, Melvin and Howard that I mentioned before. Uh, a couple of lesser known films by major directors. The Human Factor by Otto Preminger and Phobia by John Huston, neither of which are films that I'm familiar with, but certainly those are major directors. And The Empire Strikes Back actually played out of competition at the Venice Film Festival. Josh, the best picture, there was only one, and that was Ordinary People. We've mentioned the other ones that were up for it. Coal Miner's Daughter, The Elephant Man, Raging Bull, and Tess. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, I'm glad, obviously, we watched it. I had seen it before, but it was interesting to talk about does it still belong? Would it be best picture if it was today? What you know, the importance of the movie then and its pros and cons. Yeah, and it's interesting too that that list. It's like even ordinary people maybe is slightly less of a classic or regarded as a classic now than than it would have been. But it's it's a list of four like big big movies, and then Tess, which is a movie that I think has essentially been forgotten. But but ordinary people is still um, highly regarded. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, so Dave's pick then followed. And uh, what what else did you think of picking and what did you pick for us, Dave? Yeah, I picked Stir Crazy, which uh, I was happy to revisit those guys and, and revisit some of their other movies as well. The, the number one other option that I was considering was the jazz singer, the Neil Diamond remake, um, which, you know, would have been an interesting conversation, I'm sure. But uh, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. The other ones I was thinking about were Airplane, of course. But, you know, we've already done Zucker Brothers uh, movies. Uh, the Shining, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it just seems like such a huge movie for this year. And then also I looked up the movie that was number one the weekend that I was born. Uh, and it's a movie called Hopscotch with Walter Matthau. And uh, I watched it and it's actually really good. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, Putz. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good impression there. I didn't that expect wasn't to hear a Walter Matthau impression in this episode, but we 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 got it. So. What is Hopscotch about, Dave? It's basically about a a guy who's kind of like ousted from a uh, like a spy agency. It's like not exactly the FBI or whatever, and he uh, kind of starts making their life hell. And it's basically in like a like, fun Matthau way. Yeah, yeah exactly. That sounds great. I if if I had known of this movie and was doing piecing it together when Burn After Reading came out, it would have easily been my first puzzle piece. Wow, that's a high recommendation right there. Yeah. Cool. Well, Josh, we we had a lot of good choices for the future cult classic. I'll name a few, and then you could take the rest. Um, Cruising was the one we picked, and uh, shout out to our friend Mike Pravat for all the knowledge he dropped in that episode. I know uh, uh, listeners really liked Mike in that episode. Um, which is more than I could say for you, Josh. Thank you. Jason. I'm just kidding, Josh. You're you're the glue. You're the. I don't know what you want me to say. You're good, Josh. How about that? Right. But um, but we really like to talk about critical reassessments. We got that. We got uh, ordinary people. We got Heaven's Gate. What a year for critical reassessments! But what an interesting film cruising was. William Friedkin. The real other one I was looking at was Where the Buffalo Roam, which was Bill Murray playing Hunter S. Thompson and. I know that movie is not supposed to be good at all, um, but I would like to see how it became a disaster. Um, the other two that were on my list, Flash Gordon, we're talking about space operas, obviously, and Fatso with Dom DeLuise. Yeah, that which is, I think, is it the only film that Anne Bancroft directed, that uh, Fatso? So uh, kind of a weird uh, artifact there. 
Uh, looking back, we also mentioned a film. I don't know where this one came from, if it was from me or from you, called Die Laughing with Robbie Benson and uh, a monkey to bring up <laughs> monkeys again. Nice. We almost could have done a whole monkey movie. Yeah. Uh, awesome monkey one. year. Awesome what, monkey what year. Is that, what is that about? He just I don't even monkey. know. I just looked it up when I was putting <laughs> these notes together and I was like, who suggested this movie? I have never heard of it, but it was it in sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So there was that. Uh, and uh, Jason, I think you brought up the happy hooker goes Hollywood. So, uh, which may maybe is also a cult classic. We could have just, that's like the third happy hooker movie. I mean, obviously it became a franchise, right? Right. Well, I think it already was a franchise by that point. So, uh, yeah, some interesting choices there. I don't know. Yeah, Josh. And, um, you know, for our audience choice award, we did do horror movies, the fog beat Friday, the 13th and maniac. And I'm glad we did that. We, we did have a lot of kind of cool ideas, comedy classics. We've already mentioned blues brothers. We covered Caddyshack and, Airplane was on there. I like the Dance Mania Redux because we've done a Dance Mania one. And this one had Xanadu, Can't Stop the Music, and Fame. So that would have been a lot of fun. And of course, we're in the 80s. So you have teen movies like The Blue Lagoon, Foxes, Up the Academy, and uh, The Hollywood Nights. Yeah, I, I would have loved to do the Dance Mania. And I think we we partially decided not to do that one because the last dance movie audience choice poll that we did was just a giant blowout. <laughs> and so I think we we saw there maybe there wasn't that much enthusiasm for all the different dance movies, but it would have been fun. I've actually I've seen Xanadu, which is utterly ridiculous and uh, would have been enjoyable to talk about. And is also kind of is a cult classic itself. Yeah. So I was going to say that could easily have been in the cult classic category. Yeah. And uh, fame, of course, is a, was an actual hit. And uh, and can't stop the music. I think is probably also terrible. Which is it's like the Bee Gees movie. I believe that they start in. Isn't that what that is? Uh, Josh, I don't agree with you on that one because me and my brothers did a great job. And I'll slice you up. That was a terrible impression. You should go back to Walter Math. That's a great Barry give. I'll kill you. All right. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Please don't. Okay, uh, so. Yeah. As as always, uh, as we were beginning this season, we asked on social media. What films from the from 1980 uh, people were interested in or wanted to hear about? Certainly, there's a few of the big ones that kept coming up. Uh, Pete from the Middle Class Film Class podcast suggested The Shining, which a bunch of other people also mentioned. The Shining, which is a major film. I'm always fascinated when people mention movies that I've never heard of. Um, Ryan like Oldrich. The Shining? No, not The Shining. I'm getting on to something else. But um, I, I real fast on The Shining, you know yeah. how we kind of... Uh, and our 10th season, we kind of looked over, looked at movies that we had maybe kind of passed on uh, or didn't cover. I kind of feel like The Shining might be there if we do that again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, The Shining is a big one. And uh, another one that came up from a lot of people was Airplane. Clint McCormick mentioned the Airplane. Tony Strauss, I think, mentioned it. Victoria Ribeiro, a bunch of our, our dedicated listeners, Jason Parker, all mentioned Airplane. So that's another one that we could get to. So, but what I was going to say, in addition to some movies that I am familiar with, Ryan Olbrich suggested something called Galaxina, which I know nothing about, mm. uh, as well as Motel Hell, which is a, uh, a horror movie, uh, Robert Zemeckis's Used Cars, and The Idol Maker, the Taylor Hackford film that we mentioned before. Uh, somebody does like Clint Eastwood monkey movies. Clint McCormick suggested Any Which Way You Can, along with Flash Gordon, Friday the 13th, and Airplane. Uh, Kelly Stith suggested The Elephant Man, which was, again, one of the Best Picture nominees, another really, really big one. Uh, Victoria Ribeiro, who is always a dedicated listener. Thank you, Victoria, suggested Robert Altman's Popeye. 
uh, as well as Urban Cowboy, yeah. the film with uh, John Travolta. Have you seen that film? No, but those were both on my shortlist for us to cover as well. Yeah, Popeye was, I think, was a, was kind of a flop at the time and is another interesting Flop-eye. weird film. Oh, Ooh. oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chad Clinton Freeman, who, of course, has very interesting taste in films, he suggested Xanadu, as well as The Gods Must Be Crazy. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Hooray, Chad, because I thought it's such a unique, strange, like that would never be a hit today, right? Like that right. was one that I thought, and you know, we did see stuff like that in the 80s, stuff like that, or Crocodile Dundee or Yahoo Serious. And like, I think that's such a strange subgenre. I kind of wanted, I mean, it had a sequel. So I kind of wanted to cover that as well. Yeah. I, so have you seen it? I've seen parts of it, but I've never really sat down to watch it. Yeah, it's a very I've never seen it, but it is a it is a weird cultural artifact that was a big deal and now is, is mostly forgotten except by Chad. Um, which you can say about a lot of films that Chad likes, probably. Mm. Adam Wells suggested Maniac, which I sure I'm sure he voted for in our audience choice poll, but it did not win. Uh Adam Hill suggested this movie that I looked up and I'm kind of fascinated with now called Animal Olympics, which is an yeah. animated movie about uh, animals. Dave is laughing. Have you seen this film, Dave? No, but I love the title. That's great. It's an animated movie, of course, about animals competing in sports competitions, but it has a bunch of like famous, like major comedy people like Gilda Radner doing the voices. And I was just looking at it on, on Letterboxd and all of the reviews are like, this is so dirty and is not appropriate for children. And it's got all this weird humor and it sounded fascinating. Yeah, wow. I remember the uh, Laugh Olympics TV show where they had all the Hanna-Barbera characters compete against each other in Olympic style events. So that was probably inspirational to this, but uh, putting it on the list. Yeah, it sounds very strange. Uh, Tony Strauss has always sent us a massive list of every movie he could think of, including some no doubt weird cult films, uh, The Ninth Configuration, City of the Living Dead, something called Bad Timing, A Sensual Obsession, which mm. sounds pretty fascinating, uh, Altered States, which is a big cult film as well, Inferno, uh, The Watcher in the Woods, Forbidden Zone, and uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie, which I feel like is probably a lesser Cheech and Chong film. It was yeah. also on my list of things to cover because Cheech and Chong was its own, you know, kind of cottage industry. I Don't worry. When we get to 78, I'm doing Up in Smoke. So. All right. Yeah. I've never seen a Cheech and Chong film, although I wrote for years for a cannabis magazine here in Vegas about a lot of different uh, stoner movies and stuff like that. But for some reason, I managed to avoid Cheech and Chong all that time. I don't know how that hmm. happened, really. So thank you again to everyone, all the listeners for your contributions. It's always fascinating to see what people want to hear about. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing about what we did talk about. And maybe eventually we will revisit 1980 at some point and get to some of these weird films, or we'll just all have a party and watch Animal Olympics together. <laughs> yes. I know you like uh, hanging out with people, Josh. I do not. I do not. <laughs> um, so... Jason, well, first of all, of course, we're getting to our bonus episodes. As we said, The Empire Strikes Back and Raging Bull, those are going to come out soon. Sign up for the Patreon, the produced by David Rosen Patreon to check out the Raging Bull episode. And we'll have The Empire Strikes Back out on our regular feed for everyone because it, Star Wars is for the people. But once we do that, Jason, do you want to tell us what are we covering in our next season? I do want to tell you, Josh, because as we've all said, we're really excited. I think Coming up this season is maybe the most excitement we've had for a season. When we planned this out, we were like, whoa, what a what a good year. What an awesome movie year. And that awesome movie year is doo, 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 
1992. Yeah, a big year, I think, for the sort of the development of the indie film scene and the the whole Sundance phenomenon is something that we've talked about in a few of our 90s seasons. And, and this is going to be a big year for that as well. But a lot of interesting different films. We will start it off in a few weeks after we get our bonus episodes out. We'll start it off with the box office champion, which is not a Sundance film at all. It is Disney's Aladdin, but we will get to that. So tune in soon for that. And before you do, make sure to check us out on social media. Give us all your suggestions. Check us out, baby. Give me suggestions at Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. I think I'm Jay, Jason Harris or Jay Harris on all of them, actually. My website, go for Jason was developed in 1992 and uh, hasn't changed since, but it might soon. AwesomeMovieYear.com. That one's okay. Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. You can find some stuff at JoshBellHatesEverything.com. Also at JoshBellHatesEverything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And you can listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Piecing Pod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where all those great recommendations kept coming from. Yes. Thank you again for those recommendations. We look forward to hearing more from you about this season. And uh, we'll, I'm sure, soon be hearing your suggestions for 1992. And Dave, am I correct? You told us this was easily our most downloaded season. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, lots of new listeners this season, and I'm excited to see how they uh, follow us into these new years. So thank you all for listening, for giving us feedback and for continuing to support. We really appreciate you. We do. So tune in soon for our 1992 season. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.